The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Thank you. Be seated. You know, as a pastor, one of my uh, privileges, though it's a difficult privilege at time, is participating in funeral services with uh, church members or with uh, others who have asked and one of the responsibilities I have in doing that is preparing a eulogy. Um, and if you Google what is a eulogy, it's basically the uh, uh, reciting praise for the life that someone lived. And to prepare for that, what I do is I ask the families uh, to gather together. I say, hey, why don't you get all your family together and let me just be privileged to sit and listen to stories that you tell about, about your loved one. And just let me hear through your own stories, who this person was and and the life that they lived. And uh, it's really an honor to be a part of that with the families. And and you hear stories and you you see them, they laugh together through tears, they cry together. Uh, But it's really a cool time to to really hear what is this person like? What what life did they live? And um, a lot of times you hear funny stories, sometimes you hear more difficult stories, but usually towards uh, somewhere towards the end, someone in the family is able to articulate a a statement and just say, you know, here's who my dad was, or here's who my mom was, and they kind of capture it in a sentence. And and then that becomes a part of me knowing who this person was. In our passage today, we we wrap up chapter 11, and there's this one sentence that really kind of captures what's going on, and, and it's, it's a parenthetical reference in verse 38 where he, he refers to these men of old. And it made me just think that, you know, really chapter 11 has been like a eulogy for these men and women of the Old Testament where the writer of Hebrews has been eulogizing them and saying what awesome lives of faith they lived. And, and we're going to look at three concluding statements that he makes at the end of his eulogy that really refer back to these men and women of faith. And the one that really captures me, that really will carry us through today, is this parenthetical reference in verse 38 where he, he goes on and on about them, about the amazing things of faith, and he says, men of whom the world was not worthy. What an awesome statement. These were men of whom the world was not worthy. You know, I just, I don't know about you, but, but what, what a great thing to be said about you at the end of your life. That, that's become my prayer this week. Lord, make this church a people that, that at the end of their life, people will say, these were men and women of faith that the world was not worthy of. And if you're like me, you hear that and you go, that ain't never going to happen. I pray that today, hearing what the writer of Hebrews says today, you'll be inspired and encouraged to say, yeah, that is worthy of striving for. I will strive to have that said about me at the end of my life. When we look at this passage, we see three statements, and we're going to work through those just three statements that I've pulled out that that really grabbed my attention this week and see what the author is saying and how he's inspiring us today. First statement is this, the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of these people. I get this in verse 38, the author interrupts himself. He interrupts this rapid-fire 
conclusion that he's given to these men of faith and these women of faith, and he interrupts himself with this reference, men of whom the world was not worthy. What we see is in verse 32, in his eulogy, if you will, he realizes, I'm running out of time here. He says in verse 32, well, what more can I say? For time will fail me if I continue to go through these men one after another. Remember, he said, he said, man, Abel did this. Enoch did this. And he, Noah did this. Moses did this. Abraham and Sarah did this. And he's going through their lives one at a time. And then he says, what more can I say? For time will fail me if I tell you all their stories one by one. And so he starts to wrap it up with this rapid fire summary fashion. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, and so many more. And running out of time, he just kind of starts just throwing out there all these things that God did that's flowing out of his mind from reading the Old Testament. Look at verse 33. Oh, by faith they conquered kingdoms. They performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. From weaknesses they were made strong, became mighty men of war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And so he goes through this awesome list of deeds that these men and women of faith did, and he, and he gets to this point where he just stops and he interrupts himself and he says, Man... These were people that the world wasn't worthy of. What an awesome statement to be said about someone at the end of their life. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, again, I just say, I'm not that guy. I'm just not going to be that guy that, I'm not one of these. There's something about them that I feel like there's just something about them. They have something that I don't have. I mean, I'm struggling just to get through a good day. I serve in a church that's fantastic and loving. And it literally has got to be the best place to serve on the planet. And I, I struggle. <laughs> no one's persecuting me. I'm not asked to do anything tremendously, uh, champion some great cause. They just seem to have something I didn't have. But lest we forget who these men and women are. Think about the names that he throws out here and let's think, hold on a minute, this is kind of like a eulogy. If I'm doing a eulogy and I've met with families, if I know the person, I know they're not perfect, but I'm not going to sit there and talk about all their imperfections in their eulogy, okay? I'm not going to say, this dude had anger issues. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord, pastor. Thanks for mentioning that. I mean, we just don't do that. And he didn't either. I mean, you think about these people and you think, wait a minute now, who is he talking about? Rahab. Man, look what he says. Rahab, boy, she, she did something great. Wait a minute, Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon, man, yeah, I want to be like Gideon. Wait a minute, Gideon was the one that was scared to death and said, no, wait, give me a sign, God, I can't do this. Okay, wait, give me another sign, God. I can't do this. 
I mean, this is Gideon. He's not this superhero of the faith like we seem to think he is. He was scared and, and weak in his faith and needed signs. And then Barak, I didn't even know who that guy was. And I re- researched it and Deborah came to him and said, God told you to do this. And he's like, I ain't doing it if you don't go with me. He's, he's not, I mean, you go look at these stories of their faith. Samson, yeah, Samson, what a man of God. Half his life was foolishness. I mean, most of what he did was stupid. Don't do that. And he's held up as a man of faith. David was described as a man after God's own heart. But what do we know about David? David, at the height of his reign, is looking over the rooftops and starts to lust after another man's wife and seduces her into an affair and gets her pregnant. And so he covered up. He sends the husband out to the front line so that he'll get killed. These are not perfect men and women. These are men and women that have issues and struggles and they're messed up just like I am, just like you are. Yet, in all their junk, as they struggled to walk and live by faith, one day at a time, God did some awesome things through them when they got it right and they said, all right, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm going to do what he says and look what God does. So to say, don't we want that said about us at the end of our life is not to say we're going to be perfect. But it says to the extent that we trust the Lord and obey the Lord, it can be said about us. The world is not worthy of such men and women of faith. But lest we think that the life of faith is one of great victory and and only of accomplishing great things, and, and, and if you have faith, you will be more than a conqueror always, you've got to understand that that's not always defined the way the world defines it. In verse 36 through 38, we see the role of faith in enduring great suffering And he starts to focus now, I believe, on the prophets and the prophets. Who are the prophets? Well, when you're reading through the Old Testament, the prophets before Jesus came were the people that were God's mouthpiece. God would tell them, here's what I want you to say. Now go out and say it. And they would say, thus saith the Lord. Here's what God has to say. And the people responded oftentimes, most of the time, with great persecution, with great harm, banished them to live lives ostracized in the desert. And verse 36 starts to record some of that. It says, And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. These are real people who went out and said, This is what God's word is. And as a result, they were imprisoned. Verse 37, They were stoned to death. They were sawn, cut in two. They were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. So here these guys are, called simply to do what? Just tell the people what God has said. Tell, Tell people... God's word, God's good word. God always has a good word. The message was good, and yet they were treated terribly for it. 
They were persecuted. They were killed. They were banished. The world considered them unworthy of society. And what does the writer of Hebrews say? That's not what God felt. God said the world's not worthy of these men and these women. So when the world's saying you are unworthy of our, of our praise, the Lord turns it upside down. The writer of Hebrews says, no, the world was unworthy of such incredible men and women of faith. What will they say about you and about me at the end of our life? Will the fact that we say Christ and Christ alone makes me righteous, not my efforts, but I'm taking God at his word that he said he will cover me with the blood of Christ. He will make me perfect because Jesus is perfect and I receive that as a gift. Will that have any impact on my life? Will it show up at the end of my life? Will people look at my life and say, he lived a life of faith. He did things in faith that the world was not worthy of. Will will, Will they say that about you? That's what the writer of Hebrews is challenging us with this verse. And as if that wasn't impressive enough, we get to the second statement in verse 39. They did not receive what was promised them. They did not receive what was promised them. They did all these amazing things. Surely they were rewarded in their lifetime. Surely they got everything God said in their lifetime. No, they did all this without even receiving what was promised. Look at verse 39. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. What were they promised? What is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. All these Old Testament saints lived longing for the day they would see the Messiah or the Christ. And those are both a Hebrew and a Greek term that simply means anointed one. The scriptures, God had told these people, there is one who I am anointed. He's the redeemer. He's the savior. He's the one who will fix all things that are broken. He is the one who will restore what was in the garden before sin. He's the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the one who will come from the line of Judah. He's the royal son of King David. And the New Testament said his name is Jesus. They lived all of their life not seeing Jesus. And yet they were faithful. They lived all of their life on the Backside of the cross, before the cross happened, before Jesus came, they died. We saw Isaac and Jacob and his sons. We saw the old men on their staff at the end of their life, raising their hand and blessing their children, passing on faith, though they had gone their whole life without seeing the object of their faith fulfilled. Will we do the same? When you look at Daniel's life, Daniel in the book of Daniel, we we studied Daniel not too long ago. We see he was an incredible man of faith. He was in Israel when the Babylonians came in and ripped them out of their, their country and forced them to live in Babylon and tried to integrate them into the culture with their false gods and their literature. And, and Daniel refused to compromise his faith. 
He's one of these incredible men of faith. But you see, he accomplished this living by the promises of God. The promises of God are sustaining him in his life. And we see something very interesting in Daniel. We're reading in Daniel about Daniel, and it says he's reading the book of Jeremiah. And it says... He knows he's been in Babylon for about 70 years and he's reading Jeremiah where God promised that they would only be there for 70 years. And so he's been faithful, banking on God's promise. This will only last 70 years and he's being sustained by those promises. But time is ticking and he says, surely we've been here about 70 years. And so he prays God... We've been sinful. I have nothing of my own to to say, get us out of here. I'm just taking you at your word, God. You said after 70 years, this would be over. He was living by faith because he was convinced that God's promises were true and God would keep his promises. And so after 70 years, he's wondering, wait wait a minute, when's this going to happen? And so God sends an angel and the angel comes down and says, it's 70 weeks of years. I'll bring about total restoration after 70 weeks of years. There'll be 69 weeks of years. The Messiah will come. He'll be cut off. And then there'll be a last period. And then I'll bring about final restoration. And he says, ah. And then they're out of of Babylon. So God's working on a timetable. And he's saying, I'm doing this. These men and women who are incredible men and women of faith... We're living during a time before Jesus came. We're living in a time after Jesus came. But we with them are looking forward to the final fulfillment where Christ comes back and finishes the restoration. But he's saying of these guys, when you look at them, remember, they didn't even know the name of Jesus yet. And they did that. They were faithful because they knew that God's word is true and his promises can be taken to the bank. You can bank your life on it. When God says it, it will happen. And it should affect the way we live. They were truly convinced of the promises of God and it was these promises that sustained them and enabled them to live a life of faithfulness. A life where the writer of Hebrews would say, The world was not worthy of these amazing men and women of faith. The final statement, statement three. He says, God has provided something better for us. Now, this is where he turns it and he flips it and smacks us right in the face with it. The reason these amazing men men and women of faith did not receive what they promised is provided in verse 40. Because God had provided something better for us. So that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When I look at these guys, I say, they had something I don't have. The author of Hebrews, you said, no, you have something they didn't have. He's... He's taken away every excuse for us to say, well, that's just different. They're just different. They have something I don't have. No, you have something. If you're a believer, you have something they didn't have. What is it? 
Well, in, verse cha- in chapter 10, as we've been reading through Hebrews, we've kind of forgotten about 9 and 10 because we've been in 11 so long. In Hebrews 10, he says, they were not made perfect by their sacrifices. They had the priests who offered animals that would provide a temporary measure of covering for their sin, and that allowed the, the glory of God to dwell in the Holy of Holies near them. That was as good as it got for them was God's glories in that room over there because they weren't made perfect. They were just had a temporary covering because they were obeying what God said by faith, the blood of the animal will provide a measure of, of, of relief for you. But all that was pointing toward the day that Jesus would come. And Hebrews 10.10 10 tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, he perfected believers for all time. His cross, his death on the cross perfected believers that lived before Jesus came, that lived during Jesus' lifetime, that lived after Jesus came, including us today. So those who have been perfected by the blood of Christ now are able to have the glory of God, the presence of God dwell within them. Where they had God in a room, you, if you're a believer, perfected by the blood of Christ, have God in you. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, you got God in you. You've got the living God living inside of you. How dare you look at these men of old and think they have something that you don't have. You don't have anything. They don't have anything you don't have. You've got God in you. How dare us make excuses like they have something better than us. So the point is, if you believe in Jesus... If you believe only in Jesus as the only way to be made right with God, not because you go to church, not because you're a good person, not because you give money, not because you honor some traditions, none of that makes you right with God. The only thing that makes a wicked sinner like me right with God is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and I receive that by faith. Now, once I get that, I'm cleansed, I'm made perfect by the blood of Christ alone, God moves into me and he changes me and he makes my life radically different. Now, I still look forward to promises that have not yet been finished, but it means that I live differently every day. If you are trusting in the blood of Christ, the living creator of the universe lives inside of you. And he says, now go and live by faith one day at a time, I have, before the foundations of the world, I have laid out good deeds that I'm going to have you do. Will you walk in those good deeds? In the book of Revelation, we hear a record of what we all look forward to. This is what it's going to happen. This is what's going to happen when Christ returns and he finally finishes everything. Listen to what he says in Revelation 21, 3 through 7. He says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne, the throne of God, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. God will live among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is what we had to look forward to. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. We live in the first 
things. But all of this one day will pass away. And he who sits on the throne says, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, write this down, for the words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, It is done. This is what Christ accomplished on the cross. When he said, It is finished, he's saying, It's done. I've accomplished what was necessary for all these to be accomplished. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes, he who overcomes, he who lives by faith in this life, trusting only in Christ, he who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God and he will be my son. That's what we have to look forward to. These are the promises that lie yet in our future. This is what Jesus says, I promise you, it's yours. I accomplished this for you on the cross. And so the scripture finishes the story like this. It says, guess what? You are a prophet. The prophets of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy tells us Moses longed for the day that everyone who trusted in Christ would be a prophet. Some people were upset. Hey man, Moses, these guys are prophesying. They're stepping on your turf. He says, oh, oh, that everybody would prophesy. Joel talks about a day where everyone filled with the spirit of God will prophesy. That's not some weird term. What that means is that all of God's people who trust in Christ will have the gospel and will be called to speak the gospel. We are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. We are the prophets. The question is this. Will you be faithful? Wherever you go, the Great Commission says, as you are going, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where are you going tomorrow? Are you going to be a prophet wherever you go? Are you going to live by faith? Are you going to step out, small step? I don't care if it's your middle school, your high school, your elementary school, your job, your family. Wherever God takes you tomorrow, do you understand that he has made you his prophet? And it may mean that you accomplish great things as you trust God. It may mean that God has set before you amazing testimonies of great victories. It may mean that he's called you to suffer for the gospel. You may open your mouth and get banished. You may be treated like an outcast. You may be treated like you are unworthy of our friendships. You don't deserve to hang out with us. And if you keep walking and you keep trusting the Lord and you keep looking forward to the promises, you keep trusting God is faithful no matter what, whether it's this picture of what the world says is victorious or if it's what God says is victorious because you remain faithful through the difficulties at the end of your life, it will be said. This man and this woman of faith The world is unworthy of such a life. Will that be said about you?
I pray that this today inspires you not to look at these men of old and say, I'm just not going to be able to do that. Instead to say, I've got the living God inside of me. I'm going to commit today to living a life of faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us that reveals to us that all who trust in Jesus Christ are made men and women of faith called to be prophets to take the word of God wherever they go. I pray that we will take our calling seriously and we will realize the power of God within us and we will pray and seek his strength to help us endure, to help us keep us faithful to the end. It will keep our eyes focused on the promises that you've laid out before us. And I pray that it will transform the way we live and that, that this church, though we're messed up people for sure, that this church will be men and women of faith that the world is not worthy of, that the world may consider us weird or outcast or banish us, but ultimately we live looking for your approval, not the approval of the world. Lord, I pray that that will be true of us. I pray that it'll start with me. I pray that each one of us will leave this place knowing that no life is ordinary. Every life in Christ is extraordinary. Every one of us carries the gospel message wherever we go. And may we, by faith, share that gospel. Tell people the good news that they can be made right with God by trusting in Christ. Lord, do do a great work through us as humble people depending solely on your power and your might. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.